Every morning, you go into work and you do not feel fulfilled by it. Your eyes drift out of the open window and you find yourself asking one of life's biggest questions. Shouldn't I quit my job and become a consultant? Michael Stocks used to work for Carluccio's in an operations director role. Now he works for himself and his projects include technology and new site rollouts in hospitality businesses, large and small. We've released a separate audio podcast episode about Michael's advice on project management and how to get your tech project done. But the question, shouldn't I quit my job and become a consultant, is so common to so many people in hospitality operations that I wanted to talk about it separately. You're listening to Served With podcast and this is Michael Stocks. Daniel Colucci himself, um, he had a restaurant in New Street in Covent Garden 40 years ago, something he opened it. Uh, then they opened a, like a deli and food shop in 1991. You can see I used to do the company induction. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a job at Carlucho's at yeah, 19 years old. When I started, it was literally, that's when Carlucho's as a, as we now know it, kind of started. Yeah, I think I was one of the first 20-something employees. And it's exciting to be in like a, a growth business like that then. Oh, phenomenal. And How many sites did Carlucho's reach by the time you exited? At its peak, I think we were at around about 120 UK sites, something like that, and about another 25 international. Wow. You know, new store openings were funded by um, by the existing business, um, and it was only probably towards the end, a couple of little um, cash injections from the uh, from the owners, mm-hmm. and, and hence why I decided to find to. Uh, and you became the operations manager. So I basically, so I started on the bar. Then I was doing kind of bar training uh, for new store openings, mm-hmm. um, but also kind of within the existing business. You know, every manager came aboard to do their bar training with me. Mm-hmm. Then when we kind of started the international business, again, the international operations manager, so looking after yeah, international locations. And then the last couple of years, I was doing that as well as so the central operations. So essentially mm-hmm. being that conduit between the, so the head office, the central support team, and operations. That was kind of that, that middleman, the funnel, for one of the other words. So yeah, college at the time was, was going through a challenging phase, I think it's fair to say. And really kind of for the first time, the last couple of years I was there, I found it hard to ask the question, right, where do I want to be in this business in three years, five years, kind of 10 years? And more probably than anything else, I felt I was spending far too much time sitting in meetings that weren't particularly productive, rather than actually doing anything that was productive. Decided rather foolishly, I'm not going to plan anything, I'm just going to send me a notice, done, cross that bridge. But funnily enough, yeah, I kind of, I took a little bit of time to... um, did I think about, yeah, actually, what do I kind of really want? Probably where I really then want to be is with mostly kind of small business kind of startups and the like. But at this time, which was uh, 2019, it was already, you know, there were some kind of undercurrents of a bit of peril. I'm going to use that word. Peril. So, peril. I'm talking in peril. That's a great word. Yeah. In the industry where I think particularly in kind of the casual dining sector where there was, yeah, already... Perils just around the corner. Yeah. And, you know, out. we're kind of, you know, everything from exactly literally never the pandemic, but from, from Brexit to, I think, overexpansion to some degree. There was a bit of a, a chase for the the bottom, I think, in casual dining where you walk down any kind of high street and it was A-board after A-board of lunch special deals and everyone's like, right, actually, we can go 5p lower than one next door. And so then I almost kind of fell into consultancy because whilst you know, speaking to some friends and sort of contacts with industry about you know, who may be looking for someone or else, don't, but actually I might have a little something you might be able to help me with. And it kind of started very gradually and was kind of organically from there. And I was like, actually, I think I can make this work. And one of the other frustrations I had from uh, my time in the more corporate world was this feeling that there was never a point I could step out of the building and be like, I've done what I need to do and rest. There were always things that were in the pipeline of, mm-hmm. Okay, once that's done, I can start working on this. It was yeah, it was that kind of constant. It was a never-ending kind of project. Yeah, 
and what was very nice. So that's what you meant. Exactly. It's, it's a day, and there's also no ifs, no buts, because either I didn't deliver what I'm supposed to do by that time, I either don't get paid, or I don't get hired again. And these are two things which are quite important when you're a consultant. It's like, you need to get paid. You prefer it then? And absolutely, yeah, zero regrets. So, because there's going to be, I mean, it's, there's obviously a staffing crisis. Uh, and so for a person who's an operations director, in a sense, there is no better time <laughs> to, to jump ship, right? This yeah. is this is a good a good time to do it um, until the recession bites. Yeah. You'd, you'd absolutely try and persuade that person that's what they should do. You should, you, you've, you've not regretted starting consultancy and go for it, it's great. Uh, again, depending on the individual. So within 12 months, there was a, a global pandemic, which was not great. You tend not to get a lot of furlough money when you're a consultant. You don't get, I wasn't self-employed long enough to pay my form of support. That's very frustrating. It's a was slightly. <laughs> Didn't help my husband then decided to go self-employed during the, the break between oh, lockdowns, just oh, when we thought no. things were on the, on the up. <laughs> it's not great fun at times when you're sitting there with like, okay, I literally have nothing in the diary for this period of time, or there's lockdown going on, there's whatever else. There's no plan B in some sense, I could say, whether it's a case of, right, well, just because I don't have some work in the diary for next month doesn't mean that I'm still going to get paid or my mom's going to get paid or whatever else. And you have to be a lot more kind of proactive in that sense. Some of it is can be kind of challenging where even kind of forward planning where it's like oh yeah sure I'm gonna do something or plan something it's absolutely great because it's like in my diary because I'm sure I'm self-employed it's great and I think you have to be quite thick-skinned on the one side of not kind of taking things personally it's like you know, you're, you're having conversations and they start from informal to more formal to even pitching and then things just fall by the wayside like doesn't happen I was having conversations in uh, in November with a uh, half dozen different business about kind of quite exciting kind of projects mm-hmm. and then the whole kind of Omicron thing hit so certainly that yeah. operators are like, okay, a bit of a change of plans, but nothing like that. I don't get paid because Omicron happened and they then decided not to go ahead with something that we weren't signed off to do anything, we weren't for us. So my point being that, yeah, it can be quite a famine feast and and you have to be, yeah, say quite proactive in terms of, on the one side, looking for work, but it, it's also so much, yeah, it's down to other people, it's down to chance. You're listening to Served With Podcast and this is your tiny once an episode reminder to subscribe We've now split the audio and the YouTube versions of this podcast. They're different. You should subscribe to both. I'm allowed to continue making these based on subscriptions from people like you. So if you enjoy this, please do hit that button. Back to the show. To work harder now than you did as the uh, ops and colleges. So I was a very hard work in ops and colleges. I'm I'm Um, certain. Yeah. (laughs) But I'll be perfectly honest with you. So in terms of my... And I'm not going to use the cliche of the work-life balance, but I am far less stressed, far happier, far more content generally than I've ever been in my life. You are less stressed. Because for me, I sort of think of the money yeah. as quite stressful, right? It, it is at times, but then I'm also, I've just learned to deal with it, <laughs> of, of realising where often it's like, if I am, you know, money side, it's like, okay, because actually you haven't done enough in terms of reaching out following up stuff. I was not averse during the, uh, the first year or so. I was doing a few nights a week working at a local bar. It's like, okay, that was enough to kind of cover my sort of living costs. Mm-hmm. It wasn't quite in the manner to which I was accustomed. But hey, my biggest stress is, oh, actually I was quite excited. Tuesday's was delivery day and it's like, I'm going to make the back bar look beautiful. Yeah. Restocking, whatever else. A complete change from where I was six months prior. Right. But yeah, come back to the, the working harder. I would say that when I'm working, I'm not just saying this, it's generally... When I'm working on projects and for clients, I'm absolutely working harder than I've ever worked in my life. Yeah. But my proportion of time doing that, if that makes sense, is far less than it was. So, yeah. But recently, 
Carlucci, I would say that I spent on average 60 or 70 hours per week doing Carluccio stuff. Yeah. By dint of one, that probably lack of some of the focus for my part, but also in terms of all the different kind of pieces of the puzzle that's trying to juggle meant that what I was actually generating from that was probably 30 hours a week of good work. Yeah. I was spending 70 doing it. 20 hours in a week, but those are 20 great hours of work. And actually the rest of the week, I'm walking my dog and chilling and amazing and having a, a nice time of it. So I think that the work-life balance, absolutely. And as a reference before, that notion where in about 15 of the 19 years in college, I never got to a point where I felt breathe. And any kind of work is done. Yeah, I was subject. I was one of those people who would take my laptop with me on holiday, not to necessarily work, but just in case something happened. And a lot of the things that I was kind of dealing with, I was the kind of the contact point for something happening, for example, like with the international business. I was the one guy who was the that kind of funnel. They're not going to suddenly pick up the phone. It's like, okay, actually, yeah, we know the CEO or the CFO because we sometimes we talk about numbers. But actually, so then when I first started off, absolutely not. It was very much more about the kind of yeah, life balance and even, so it kind of changed my perspective a little bit. And what's quite interesting working so self-employed as opposed to kind of with an organization is sometimes you actually just notice kind of the, the little things. So I said, to be honest with you, probably the first year after leaving college, I probably made, I ran about a third of the income of okay. that I was. But I also realized that I wasn't spending Anything like I was from everything from travel to having a trek and lunchtime to and some of this kind of social obligations around the beers at the you know the lamb and flag on a Friday night. Then kind of lockdown hits, which was kind of a bit of a win-win on the one side. One because actually I started to get the work kind of picking up as people kind of looking at mm-hmm. seasons, some opportunities. But also it's like almost impossible to spend money in a roundabout way. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> so it's like I'm not yeah. going on holiday because we can't travel, and you know, I'm not eating out because great. everything's closed. But then conversely, by now and bluntly, past twelve months, I've earned more money than I've earned in my life. What's really interesting is looking back to kind of the sort of corporate experience, kind of Calucho side. For most of my time there. But there was almost that kind of feeling of job security was there and leaving the job was your choice. But then interestingly enough, what then they said something that happened is people, well, even prior to me leaving, friends of mine, great colleagues, unfortunately you know, lost their jobs almost overnight. Sure. Kind of last man standing where it's like, oh, it's the person I've sat with desk next door to me for 15 years, suddenly overnight, pff, gone. Exactly. Whereas now it's like, okay, it's okay, the majority is up to me, but also I can do it. And if I don't have anything lined up for the next couple of weeks, I need some money. I can go get a bar job somewhere. I can do something, you know, in the interim. I can... Yeah. And yeah, that's down to me. I think that's quite empowering in that sense. But I say it's not for everybody. You know. If you have to go with the family feast and have that uncertainty, and some people, I think particularly in hospitality, thrive on a little bit of that. You kind of yeah. like the, the buzz of it. But I think if you've, you've got a family, you've got you know, other kind of commitments, you're whatever else, it's going to be a whole lot harder because yeah. me and my husband and my dog, you know, I think it's also really important to have a, a strong network because a lot of work I get, and I think it's quite typical within the, uh, the industry, is through kind of word of mouth with people who worked with you previously or know you previously. And one of the great things about being so long at, uh, at Carluccio's is the so many people pass through that business They're and who are now you know, out doing you know, amazing things in the world of hospitality. And that's kind of really useful to have times, both from them contacting me and me sometimes contacting them. It's that kind of networking piece that, yeah, it takes some work, but... That was Michael Stocks. If you want to hear Michael's advice on managing projects, we've also released an audio podcast about that, and it will tell you how to realize your project as effectively as possible. If you want to hire Michael, you can find him at mikestocks.com. You'll also hire him to roll out Storkit, which would make us very happy. Once upon a time, long before Storkit made the greatest mobile ordering system available on the market today, the very first iteration of this business was advisory and involved the CEO and another one of our co-founders setting up point-of-sale systems in restaurants. It's an experience which really shapes Storkit because it means we still approach software from the point of view of operators and with an operations-first mindset. 
That means an emphasis on quality integrations. It means making sure everything is easy to use. And it means a painless go live process with an expert CS team on hand to help. Finally, if you're on the fence about quitting your job, here's somewhere my mind went when I was talking to Michael. There was a piece of research done a few years ago about how people make decisions around breakups, romantic breakups. People considering a breakup were surveyed before they did so and one year after. And the people who went through with it were surer that they had done the right thing and self-reported as being happier. On the other hand, of course they have to say that and I heard on the grapevine we're about to enter a recession. So thanks for listening and I'm looking forward to seeing you next week.